Welcome to the Love is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, if you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo agony on episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for you, baby, in more ways than one. Welcome back. Today I'm talking about a topic that always gets a lot of DMs whenever I go into it. And this topic is how successful women sabotage their love lives and how to fix it. It is going to resonate for you if you find it difficult to let your guard down in romance, if you feel like you're bossing work and failing at love, or if you want it all and you want it without apology. And in it, I will be sharing the number one mistake high achieving women make when it comes to dating, how to leverage your career to bag a great man and what actually makes men fall in love with you. It's not what you think. So I've worked with a real range of women over my gosh, nearly decade of working as a coach. I've worked with uh, women, I've worked with politicians, I've worked with actresses, I've worked with models, musicians, I've worked with entrepreneurs, influencers, you name it. It's been so interesting for me to watch the patterns that come up time and time and time again with the women who identify as being high achieving, successful, uh, successful, maybe slightly work addicted like myself, although I'm getting much, much better. Now, I'm not saying that these patterns don't come up with other women who might not identify in as high achieving or super successful. There's a lot of crossover, but there's definitely things that I have seen that are very, very specific to women who are whose identity is in many ways wrapped up with their career success. So I'm going to just dive straight in. So firstly, the number one mistake high achieving women make when it comes to dating. This is something I go into in my book, Love is Coming. And it is this, it is operating predominantly from a masculine energy. If you think about it, what gets many of us ahead in work to a degree is that mentality of go, 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 achieve. It's focused, it's determined, it's very much playing to your strengths. It is, uh, it's, yeah, it's really getting shit done, essentially. And that's wonderful. And it can also be very problematic if you then try and use that same approach with your love life. I have, like, in, in fact, what's been really interesting is one of the things a fair number of clients who um, are, are successful in, in their work life have said to me is that their approach to dating before they came to me, like a lot of these women, I'm going to be honest, they come to me as a last resort. They're like, well, nothing else has worked. And I've heard you're really good at what you do. And I do think, well, I could have saved you a lot of time and energy if you come to me first, but whatever. Um, and the thing is, they they find it hard at the beginning, the process I take them on, because it is so different to what they're used to. They think that to get ahead in their romantic life, it's, an, it's a, game, a number game. 
It's a number game. And if you just keep at it, and if you just keep going and going and pushing and pushing, at some point, something's got to give. And actually, it's the very opposite. It's the opposite. That approach does not work. I have seen so many women, myself included, trying to get the relationship that they desire operating from that energy. This is another interesting factor in this is I have seen many of uh, many women very successful in what they do, making a lot of money, end up paying for everything for their partner. I have done this before and I wasn't even at the time, I wasn't even making all that much money. But when I've really looked into it and and kind of interviewed these women or spoken to these women about what their reasons are for doing it, it often comes back to the same thing, which is exactly why I was doing it subconsciously. And it's a way of staying in control. It is a way of feeling needed. And it's also a way of kind of feeling like, well, they can't leave because they need me. You know, it's that it's that sort of mentality. And whilst that might keep a guy there for a period of time, what happens is the dynamic between the two of you can get really confused. Now, I want to be really clear that I'm not saying that a woman can never pay for a man. And I'm not interested in those old paradigms. What I am talking about is the energy between masculine and feminine is absolutely a dance. And in my relationship with Joe, there are sometimes absolutely where I will step into a more masculine energy, the energy of whether it's providing or, or leading in the traditional sense. But whenever I try or, you know, attempt to like drive that energy to try and get Joe to do what I want and to get things my own way, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. He pushes back because it feels really emasculate. Can never say that word. Emasculating is that it for him? And you know, if you think about it in terms of just the dating, even before you've got in the relationship, okay, what does this look like when you are operating primarily from your masculine energy? So you will be driving the communication, trying to book in the next date, taking the lead of organizing dates instigating the commitment chat. Now, again, it's not to say that every now and then sometimes doing that is a problem. It's not a problem if you're doing it every now and then. It is a problem if you are constantly doing that. Because really, if you think about it, what is going on there? There's a sense that you don't trust that if you don't do it, the guy is going to meet you there. And that's why we push, we force, we coerce, we control to try and maneuver it to make it happen. And Listen, the fact is, men and women, we are biologically different. I think we can probably all agree on that. And in the same way that a man can't, you know, get pregnant and give birth, there are many things that us women can't do. And it, it doesn't mean there's, a, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's about embracing our differences. And there are many commonalities as well. But and I know that this is going to potentially be quite divisive. I, you, if you follow my work for a while, you know, I'm not interested in game playing. I'm actually, this is really the opposite. It's I'm all for being transparent, being clear, being honest, being open from the get-go, literally from the get-go with anyone you are dating or about, you know, potentially going to date. But at the same time, Men do, generally speaking, and certainly with every single man I have ever dated and every single man, or let's say a good 90 to 95% of the men that I've seen clients or friends date, they do like to lead, you know? 
there's that you know that that hunter gatherer sort of um energy i guess so if you constantly are taking that opportunity away then you're not giving them they're not able to fulfill what feels very natural to them and some guys will kind of let you because why wouldn't you know fuck it i'll let her do it doesn't matter but it it kind of it kind of ruins the spark a little bit if you're always picking up the reins and you're always driving it forward. There, there's a sense of a little bit of mystery. And it's also, it comes down to like knowing your worth. If a guy, listen, if a guy is into you and he wants to see you again, you will know it. And if he doesn't, you will also know it because he won't, he won't take the initiative. And I think that certainly when I was always driving and forcing relationships, I knew that deep down and I didn't want it to be true. And so I just, that's why I went into con the control mode. And most of the time, or at least for a short time, he would meet up and he would allow me to, to do the dates and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually he'd end up ghosting me. Whereas if you're really clear about where you're at in your life, what you desire, you know your worth intrinsically, then a man will step up. He will step up and he will make it very clear he wants to see you again and allow him to plan the day. You can always do, you know, you can do it sometimes, but just don't keep doing it all the time. So I want you to be really, really, really aware of the energy that you have been showing up to in your romantic life. Is it always you instigating the contact first? Is it always you shelling out for dates? Do you, and this is a good one, do you find it hard to receive? So if a guy, for example, does take you out and, and offers to pay, do you find that uncomfortable? I know that I did for a period, period of time, not forever. Um, I found it really uncomfortable. And I, I think that at the time I kind of justified it as, well, it's, you know, I can pay my way and, you know, I'm, I'm a good feminist and I don't need you and all of that sort of thing. The point is, of course we can. Of course we can do it. Of course we can meet them halfway. But the point is, it's the joy that they get from giving that to you. It's like if someone's trying to cook you a nice meal and you just keep fussing and trying to help in the kitchen and you're just getting in the way. It's just If someone wants to cook you a nice meal, allow them to. And you know what the best thing you can do is? Sit down, eat that meal, hopefully if it's good, <laughs> relish it, cherish it, enjoy every moment and let them know how much you enjoyed it. I want you to think of it, that is such a powerful way to approach dating savoring it, enjoying it, allowing someone to treat you amazingly. And, you know, Joe always says that the first few weeks when we were dating, you know, he really, he whined and dined me, but not in a kind of wanky way. He just, he just wanted to spend time with me. And, you know, of course, sometimes I, I paid for something and I did this and I did the whatever, took us somewhere. But generally speaking, he absolutely, I would say 85%, if not 90% of the time, he was kind of driving it. And he loved it. It made him feel good about himself. He felt like a man. And I absolutely want to be clear that being in your feminine energy, the energy of receiving is not weaker. And it is also not outdated. You know, oh, these are these really, you know, I'm hearing a lot of these really outdated um, concepts of, of masculine and feminine. Actually, like, regardless of how you identify in terms of gender, we will always incorporate these different energies into us. We are made, like, whether you, you know, whatever bits you might have, you absolutely, we all have masculine and feminine energies within us. And we move through, like, and we don't even realize that we do unconsciously. We move through 
those different energies, depending what we're doing and depending who we're doing it with and what the, what the context is. So just start embracing your feminine and realizing that this absolutely is your power. So I go into this a lot more in Love is Coming, but I'm going to move on to the next point. Okay, how to leverage your career to bag a great man. Again, this is not what you think it's going to be. And it's it's also going to sound really conflicting to everything I've just said. <laughs> but this is one thing I have learned over the years is like real truths. There's always kind of a dichotomy there. You know, one thing can be true and the opposite of it can be true at the same time. So one thing I see all the time when uh, high achieving women come to work with me is that they are so solid in their career. They are so confident. They earn good money. They love what they do. They know who they are, blah, blah, blah. However, they put up with shit from men in a dating or relationship context that they would never put up from bosses, colleagues, or clients. Why is that? Well, I think it's as simple as this. We as women have such a insidious timeline pressure put on, put on us, our timeline of marriage and babies. Now that, if you want to talk about outdated, this is something really outdated. It's the, it's the I heard this once said that um, after the age of 30, a woman's perceived value goes down while a man goes up. Because after the age of 30, you know, a man can continue to have kids, you know, Mick Jagger, 70, whatever. Um, whereas, you know, us women, we can't. And I understand it's such a pain point for so many women. But men, you know, after 30, well, their career is probably going to be getting better and better. And so therefore their their value goes up. And, it, you know, you think about it like the silver fox. You know, if a guy goes gray, oh, isn't he sexy? If a woman, a woman like dares to grow a sort of bit of hair on her legs, God forbid, you know, it's the standard, the double standards are ridiculous. But the key is, you know, you get to decide your narrative around aging, around timeline around what your age means and around whether or not you get to have what you desire in your romantic life. You get to decide that. And whatever you decide, know that there is going to be work to do to uncover the limiting beliefs that say that you can't have that thing. And that's why working with a coach and doing you know, deep work is so powerful to have someone reflect back at you your blind spots that you can't see. So this is what I want to say to you. If you have been guilty of that, if, you look, if you've looked over your, uh, look back over your love life and you think, yeah, okay, when it comes to work, I am boundaried as fuck. I'm in my power. But when it comes to my love life, yeah, I, I let men walk all over me. I don't tell them how I'm feeling. If they piss me off, I kind of let them get away with it. You've got to know your bottom line. You've got to know your bottom line. I'm going to say that again. You've got to know your bottom line. You've got to know what your boundaries are. You've got to know what your standards are. You have got to work on that so deeply that it is just ingrained within you. And if someone crosses it, a boundary, you speak up, you own it, and you have to know within yourself when it is time to walk away, when the time for uh, negotiation is over. You have to know what your bottom line is. So I want you to go away and mull over that. What is your bottom line when it comes to romance? What behavior are you willing to put up with in a dating context? And what are you very clear that you absolutely will not stand for? And you cannot just pay it lip service. You have to back up what you say with actions.
there is an energy that women who really value themselves when it, in their romantic life, there is an energy that they emit. And men fucking know. They will know not to cross you. And if they do, you know, listen, my way of handling it for a long time was like a, a man crossing me was either to not say anything and that, or going to the other extreme, getting super fucking drunk and becoming a psycho. And then, of course, it's really easy to be then labeled, oh, she's just psycho. And and listen, it's not that I didn't behave that well in many of these instances, but I refuse now. It's like, I'm going to have grace and I'm going to have dignity. And if I have a moment of madness, which we are all entitled to, we are human, I'm going to own it. And I'm going to, um, you know, we can always choose again. And I did, by the way, I'll just say I do this in my relationship with Joe. I have many a moment where I really sharp less than perfect, believe it or not. And I can say, babe, I'm really sorry. That was not cool of me. Babe, I'm really sorry. Um, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. Whatever it is, like you get to, as Gabby Bernstein says, you get to choose again. Just because you make a mistake or you don't show up in the powerful energy that you hope to, you can choose again. You can even, if you if you let something blow over and then weeks later, you're like, do you know what? I, I've got to be really honest with you. That thing that happened two weeks ago that I told myself, um, was okay. And I, you know, I kind of just didn't really go into it or, um, forgave you. I'll be honest. I haven't let it go. And I've been stewing in resentment and I need to talk it out with you right now. That made me feel like shit. Don't say you made me feel like shit. That made that situation made me feel like shit. And I don't want to feel like shit. I want to feel great. So I'm going to be really clear. If that happens again, then I'll be really clear that this is not the right fit for what I'm looking for. So you're not attacking the guy, but you are just showing this is, it's always, always about you. It's so useful in communication to remember that. Come back to you. What feels good to you? What feels good to you? Okay. Know your bottom line. Okay. What actually makes men fall in love with you? It's not what you think. So this is something I actually experienced when I was well, the year before meeting Joe. So in that year leading up to meeting Joe, my career at the time had started to really pick up. My business partner and I had got a book deal. We were being featured in a lot of press. And I, you know, after years of being um, a struggling actress, like I was starting to feel really great about my achievements. And that was, that was good. However, I noticed on particularly one guy I dated, it was the beginning of the year that I met Joe. And I kind of dined out on those experiences a little bit. And he was, I just want to be honest, like he was really impressed by me. He was really impressed by me. But what I noticed in myself is that I kind of like hid behind those achievements a bit. And I found myself putting on a bit of a performance with him because it was the area of my life that was thriving, was my career. And whilst I want to be really clear, it's it's okay and not, not okay, it's great to acknowledge your achievements, to acknowledge your success. But you have to be aware of when are you hiding behind them? When are you hiding behind them as a way actually as almost a barrier to intimacy? So there's a brilliant dating coach called Sammy Wonder and she says, listen, oh, hold on. I better get my book because I can't remember what it is. <laughs> Something along the lines of Men don't fall in love with you because you are like, you know, hold on. Oh, here it is. I happen to get it. So a man doesn't fall in love with you because you've led so many meetings and been on TV and traveled the world and can speak five languages. He falls in love because of the connection he feels for you. 
He, feel, he falls in love with you because of the connection he feels for you. If you are hiding behind your work successes or other things like constant banter, like I love banter, but I've also noticed how that can be a way to, to hide my vulnerability in a romantic uh, dynamic. And that that whole like hiding behind the mask of being the cool, aloof girl who just doesn't really care. And therefore, I thought that the cool, aloof girl, she wouldn't need to like state any boundaries or preferences or, or what she desired or the, the fact she desired to be in a relationship. And actually, it's the very opposite. Telling the truth is what makes someone fall in love with you. Like, and I'm not talking about the beautiful, eloquent truth. I'm talking about the messiness, you know, the just the, the what is actually true for you. How are you actually feeling? Like if you go on a date and something really shit has happened at work and the guy says to you, oh, how are you? Blah, blah, I'll be honest. I've had better days. Yeah, I've had a bit of a shitter. Um, or, you know, you've fallen out with a friend. It's not that you need to go into the whole story of it, but you tell the truth about how you're feeling in that moment and then it's clear and then you can move on. I don't know if you've ever had it where you, you're in a situation where you feel shit because of something that's happened before, but you feel like you have to put on a show and you squash it down and then it's just it's just complete fucking false. It's so false and you can you can never get deeper than the surface when you're coming from that energy. So the thing I've seen often is that you know, high achieving women who are used to having their identity wrapped up in what they are thriving in, in their career. Obviously, this isn't all the time, but much of the time. What this is about is there's a fear of not having control when you're in love. And that's why we don the mask. So the mask is like, we feel safe in our career because it's going well. And we know our identity and we feel in our power and we feel strong. And so we bring that energy to the date and we, we use it as a mask. And we think that that is going to prevent us from having to feel vulnerable and having to risk being rejected because we've got our armor on. We are the high achieving woman. We're thriving. It's all good, but it's armor. And the thing is in love, you never have control, even when it's a great relationship. You never are really in control. Do you know why? Because life is uncontrollable. You never know what is going to happen. This is the thing you need to accept. If you really want to have that great relationship, not only have you got to be willing to be vulnerable, get rid of the armor, you have got to be willing to embrace the fact that you will not know where this is going to go. And to be honest, that's the same of your career. It's just that you feel more certain in your career because you feel that you've got more power, but anything can happen. The key is, who are you? Because if you are someone who values themselves, not just in their career, but in their in a romantic context, in all contexts, that whatever shit happens, you know you'll be okay because you love yourself. And in a way, equally, if not more importantly, you respect yourself, which means you won't put up with shit just because you don't want to be alone and because you just want to have any crumbs of attention and affection. Anything can happen in life. Listen, we're all going to die. <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. We're all going to die. And so, you know, when I think of that, that can really freak me out when I think of the fact, oh God, one of me or Joe is going to go first and that that's just scary. But listen, this is life. All of these things that we have built up to kind of kid ourselves or like distract ourselves from the fact that at some point in our life, we're, well, at some point we're all going to, we're going to, croak, quite frankly. Everything is a risk, really. 
everything is a risk. And the sooner that you can embrace that and realize that you're going to be okay with whatever happens because you have got your back, then the sooner magical things will start coming into your life and opportunities. It's time to take off the mask. I really, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this podcast episode, it's that you will never, ever, ever attract and certainly not sustain a deep, soulful, intimate connection and relationship with someone else until you get rid of the mask. What is the mask that you are wearing right now? What are you hiding behind in your romantic life? What are you hiding behind? Because when you really understand what that is, whether it's, you know, typically masculine behaviors in a dating contest, like peacocking and that sort of really showy, showy off thing, but not coming from an, a true authentic place. It, it's coming from, I'm trying to get a reaction or I'm trying to get attention in this way, but it's, it's coming from actually I'm feeling lacking and I'm not feeling good enough. That was what I was like. It's like, I'd be the loudest, most confident person in the room. That was my mask. And I would certainly attract their attention, but it was not really how I was feeling. And it was not really who I was because the truth was, is that I felt fucking shit about myself. And that's why the, the, the relationship, well, a few relationships before Joe, it's the relationship I write a lot about in the inner fix. It was such a pivotal relationship for me because it started by, we actually met up, we were friends, but we met up, I had a breakdown. <laughs> I had an absolute, it was a, it was a come down off cocaine. I'm not going to lie. This is a long time ago. This is a, over a decade ago. And I was having an anxious, like just, I was completely mad and like freaking out about everything, having a panic attack. Um, but I was, I was sober and we met up, we went to Richmond park. I'll never forget it. And we, I just, I, I wasn't trying to, cause he was my friend. I wasn't trying to put on a show. I was just being myself and sharing how fucking terrified I was feeling. And lo and behold, before the evening was out, sober as a judge, both of us, we had jumped in the sack together. Now, I'm not saying you need to go that quickly. In fact, I absolutely don't advise it. But there was something he saw in my in my rawness and in my truth. And I actually really carried that over to when I met Joe. Um, when I met Joe, I will be honest, I had had a, a fair bit of red wine. I was at a festival after all. But I... I did just show up as myself. I told him the truth about things that I was struggling with, things that I loved, things that were going well, things that I wanted in my life. Like I just, I'll be honest, I didn't think I'd see him again. So it may, it did make it a fair, a, a considerably easier. But what I saw with both of those guys who, by the way, are now like best mates and uh, the first boyfriend is, is actually like an usher at our wedding. Him and Joe get on that well. Mad. They've literally both got a book written about them by me. Um, God, yeah, honestly, think weird things can happen um, in your love life. But where was I going with this? Where was I going with this? Yeah, stripping back the mask. And we all have them. And a lot of those masks can be so insidious. It's almost like I found that the deeper you get into doing the work on yourself, the more insidious the mask have to become because it's just our subconscious trying to protect us from getting hurt. But ironically, that's what ends up leading us to get rejected because we don't fall in love with someone because of what a great show they put on. We can't connect with that. We can be impressed by that. We can be absolutely attracted to that at the start. But if there's nothing deeper that's where it will stop and it will. And that's when you end up getting ghosted because it can't go beyond a mask. 
It just can't. And so those of you who go, God, you know, I, I can date someone, but sort of six weeks and then they ghost me or three months and then they, they sort of end it. This is so likely what the issue is. And if this is you and if what I've been sharing today has really identified, uh, sorry, resonated for you, then I want to tell you about a new or oh, not a new, a new version of an, uh, an opportunity that has got the most tremendous results. And it is my four month transformational, trans, can't say that, transformational one-to-one coaching experience for, for high achieving women who are ready to have a love life as successful as their career. It's called Love for Leaders. I cannot stress how powerful this program is. Women who have done it have found incredible partners and relationships after a decade of being single, some are married, some have had kids, you name it, like we have seen it all. And these women came to me all doing so well in their in their work life and in their career, but really in pain around their love life. And I'm going to be really honest, like I have got so clear around the support I'm able to give one-to-one now. And it is I have created over the years so many different uh, opportunities. I've got obviously these free podcasts. I do lots of free trainings and challenges. Um, I've got my book, Love is Coming, which is under a tenor. Um, I've got a program that's £37. I've got a whole range. I've got my flagship program, um, which is a group-led program, Get Your Soulmate. And that is a grand. And, um, you know, we have payment plans available, all of that stuff. But I have got so much different support depending on where you are at in your in your work life, essentially. But what I was seeing time and time again, it's the high achieving women who really need my one to one support and they need that bespoke um, coaching, really. So they they need the in the moment, like they're struggling with something. They can send me a voice note or a video message and I can get back to them and coach them there in that specific situation. And this is what Love for Leaders is about. It is a complete rewiring of everything, absolutely everything you have ever experienced, ever known to be true around your love life. I actually really want to show you something. Bear with me. I want to read you something and I have to go into my email. This is from um, one of my absolute Dreamboats clients. I've been working with her. Um, here we are. Yeah, I've been working with her for a while now. And this is what she had to say about the program. She said, the Love for Leaders program turned me inside out. I cannot even begin to describe how much I changed over the four months the program took to complete. I was not prepared for this level of transformation. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life, not just emotionally, but mentally and physically too. This program changes your entire life because it changes your very being. I truly did not know this feeling existed. I am totally and utterly at peace with who I am and where I am in my life. Before I started this program, I'd spent years in and out of therapy trying to figure out why I was so unhappy in my relationships and where I kept going wrong. My professional career was soaring. I was at the top of my game, but my romantic life was a train crash. I'd had enough and I knew I needed to do something radically different. While I do feel the therapeutic work I undertook prior to Love for Leaders helped me even consider to do the program, None of it gave me the results I was seeking. All of my therapists were able to tell me what I needed to improve, but not one of them were able to tell me how to actually do this. Only Love for Leaders was able to do this. The program gave me the tools I needed to build the life I was seeking. 
I realized whilst doing the program that I'd just been running on autopilot for years. I'd never actually stopped to consider what I wanted out of life. I was repeating the same relationships over and over again with the same hot and cold men. I hopped from one relationship to the next, never stopping and taking stock of what had gone wrong, never stopping to process my feelings, and most importantly, never examining my role in these relationship breakdowns. This program shows you the role you play and as comfortable as that is to face, it was what brought about the biggest change for me. I honestly cannot recommend this program enough. I would pay 10 times the price it costs to be where I am now. Do it. It will change your life. Oh my gorgeous. She is just so wonderful. And yeah, that that just scratches the surface of what this program can do for you. If you want to find out more, go to the link in the show notes. You can read all the testimonials, women who've done the program, see the incredible results that they've created in their life. But what I want to say to you is this, nothing changes until you do. It took me such a long time to realize that. And the great thing about being someone who identifies as high achieving is that you have a good work ethic. That's why I only now work with women who identify in this way, because listen, I've, oh, where's my earring? I've done it where I've worked with women who, um, who, who just didn't show up and do the work and therefore I couldn't get them the results because as the best support I can give you, you've got to do it and you've got to be willing to show up. And I love that mentality of like, you know, you, you are hardworking and you know how to get shit done. That is how you're going to see results. So if you want to find out more, as I said, go to the link in the show notes. We only have two spaces available at present. If you're up, so what you'll be able to do is, is fill in an application form. And if it is successful, so what I will do is I will read through the applications. If I don't think I can get you results, I won't even book a chemistry call to see if we have a good energy together, if I think we're compatible. I won't waste your time and I certainly won't waste my time either. So you're up the application, even if, do you know what, even if we don't ever get on a chemistry call or work together, you will have realized so much about yourself just from filling in those questions. It will give you a moment of clarity. So what have you got to lose? You are listening to this episode. You'll certainly listen to the very end of it for a reason. Go to that link in the show notes, go and read through everything and just listen to your gut and see how it feels for you. Listen, we are coming into the home stretch of 2021. It's been an up and down year for most of us. How do you want to go into 2022? It's it, For me, it's a very auspicious year. It's all the twos. It's the year I'm finally getting married after COVID has ruined the last two uh, attempts. But I have a very good feeling about next year. But listen, how do you want to start 2022? Because this is your opportunity to get your romantic affairs in order so that you start 2022 in the best place of your life. I promise you, if you do this program your love life will be in a dramatically, dramatically different place by Christmas 2021. And if you don't believe me, as I said, go hit that link, read all the testimonials to see for yourself. So my loves, I hope this episode has been helpful. Please do come over and tell me on my Instagram at Persia Lawson, which of the three tips resonated for you the most and why. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. 
But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.